What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Prime, Primetime Sports Podcast, hosted by Joe May Larry. So tonight, this will be a quicker episode than usual. I do an intramural playoff game at 7.45, so this will only be, or 8 o'clock, so this will only be a 45-minute episode, so it won't be the full hour like usual. But for the first 15 minutes, I'll talk about the Red Sox very briefly, talk about the NBA playoffs for a minute or two, and then I'm going to have the sports guru, Mike Hurley, come on around 7.15. He's going to give his thoughts on the Bruins, the NHL playoffs, and also the N- uh not NFL, uh, not NBA draft, NFL draft, which is this coming Thursday. So we'll probably talk about the Bruins and the NHL for about 25 minutes and maybe talk NFL draft, what the Patriots should do, what the Giants should do, talk Zay Flowers. We'll do all that for probably about 10 minutes or so. So I'll start off with the Red Sox. The Red Sox, as of late, have been playing better baseball. They have 6-4 and four in their last 10 games, 10-10 in the last 20 games. But if you look at their record overall besides games against the Tampa Bay Rays, they're 12-8 on the season, 12-12 overall, but 12-8 against teams not named the Tampa Bay Rays. Obviously, the Rays right now, best team in baseball, 23 overall, 17-3 in the last 20 games. I mean, they're going to be a hard team to beat all year, have won six games in a row. But the impressive thing with the Red Sox is they're battling, and they're playing the Orioles tonight, who are 15-7. The Orioles right now are tied for third best record in baseball, have the third best record in baseball. They're half game ahead of the Atlanta Braves. So if you look at it, the Red Sox have been battling, and one person that I think deserves more credit than what he's been getting is Jaron Duran. He's turned the team around. Even though the Red Sox started to win games right before he came up, the Red Sox called him up last Monday on Marathon Monday. The Red Sox did beat the Angels Friday, Saturday, Sunday before that, and then lost that Monday game. When he got called up, they lost to Shohei Otani, which Otani only went a couple innings due to the rain delay on Marathon Monday, but Jaron Durant's been hitting great on the year, hitting 357 in 28 at-bats, six RBIs, two doubles with a 930 OPS, picked up his fifth double on the season. The Red Sox are currently up 2 to nothing right now on the Orioles on the top of the second inning. Uh, they have Corey Kluber on the mound tonight, the Sox, one inning, only threw seven pitches in the first inning with five strikes. Pretty efficient first inning as a start. Alex Verdugo has been hitting great for the Sox on the year, 323 batting average. I know a lot of people going into the season were concerned about Alex Verdugo, and obviously if you look at it, he was a great hitter for the Red Sox last couple seasons. His batting average didn't show that, though. I think if you look at what his batting average was last year, it wasn't as high as, high as it should have been. I think the reason is because his expected batting average was a lot higher than his real batting average. That had a lot to do with the shift. And a lot of people were concerned with whether it was Kike Hernandez being the leadoff hitter or Alex Verdugo being the leadoff hitter. I know a lot of people are concerned about that, but I think if you look at it, Kike is not a good leadoff hitter. I mean, to a degree, he shouldn't even be in the starting lineup, but he is at the end of the day. I mean, he's hitting 218 on the air. He shouldn't be in the starting lineup, but regardless, he is in there. But Verdugo is the perfect leadoff hitter for this Red Sox team. Perfect leadoff hitter. And if you look at it, last year hit 280, 289 in 2021, 308 in 2020. With the Red Sox for four years, he's hitting 290. With a 774 OPS on the year, hitting 319. Uh, 323 is an updated batting average after getting another hit in tonight's game. Sox now up 3 to nothing after a sacrifice fly by, it was, Rafael Devis. So, 3 nothing Sox here, which, uh, which is obviously an impressive start to the game. Uh, it was a sacrifice fly scoring Christian uh, Arroyo. So, Sox up 3 nothing now in the top of the second. But, regardless, Jaron Duran has been a big... Piece of this Red Sox team, and the reason they've been starting to turn things around on offense. I mean, he brings a lot of speed to the lineup, has five doubles already, and if you look at it, he has nine total hits on the year, and five of those are doubles. Five of those are doubles. So he's got six, seven, eight, nine. He's now got ten hits on the year, so nine hits heading into tonight. Ten hits on the year, and five of them are doubles, which is very impressive. And then you look at his speed on the base path. I mean, he adds in two stolen bases, also has... Six RBIs as well, which is very impressive. If you look at what he did last year for the Red Sox, only 17 RBIs in 58 games. This year, he already has six RBIs in eight games played. Six RBIs in eight games played, just 17 last year in 58 games. You look at what he did in 2021, 10 RBIs in 33 games. Jaron Durant has t- turned his swing around a little bit, and I think he's been a little bit better with pitch selection. Also, he's been getting his bat through the zone a lot quicker. If you look at last year, he couldn't really get the high fastballs. He could not hit a high fastball to save his life last year. And then if you look at him this year, I mean, he's been able to catch up to all those. He's been mashing the ball. So I'm happy Duran's been doing well. I'm happy to see him up on the Major League roster, and I think he deserves more credit than he's getting. But all in all, I'm happy to see him on the Red Sox. You look at what he did in his first five games for Red Sox this season, which started Marathon Monday on April 17th. Then he played all three games against the Twins on the 17th, on the 18th, 19th, and 20th. He had a hit in all four games, or in all three games against the Twins, and even another hit 
or two for four game. Actually, it was against the Brewers that next game. So his first five games, he was one for three, two for five, one for three, one for two, and two for four. Adding in, uh, you know, three walks over that stretch as well. He's been getting on base, finding ways to get on, and I'm happy to see him in the major league lineup. He deserves it. So that's our Red Sox take to start. Now I'm going to talk about the NBA. And I'm going to talk about all my boys that have been balling. I think everybody knows that listens to this. I'm a big LA Clippers fan. They have a huge game tonight against the Phoenix Suns. It is do or die game five in Phoenix. I think the Clippers win this game tonight. I think they win game six in LA, and who knows what happens in the game seven game. Doesn't look like Kawhi Leonard's going to be coming back. Looks like at the end of the day, it's probably it for him on the season with that knee injury, which is unfortunate. I mean, there's been so many injuries in the NBA playoffs, and it's kind of tough to see. Obviously, I think the NBA playoffs, I think any sport, even whether it's the NBA, NFL, every sport's better when all the stars are healthy. But if you look at it in the NBA playoffs, Joel Embiid had a knee injury. Giannis Antetokounmpo had a back injury. Now the Heat are down or up 3-1 over the Bucs. The Bucs are down 3-1 to Miami. John Morant had a hand, in, hand injury. Kawhi Leonard has his knee injury. Paul George has his knee injury. Darren Fox has a finger injury, which he fractured at the tip of his, uh, one of his, I don't know if his middle finger or his index finger. I think it was his index finger on his left hand, which he's a lefty shooter. He was doubtful for tomorrow's game, but he will be playing as of now is what they're saying. So his, his expectation is to play, and obviously Sacramento needs him to play. It's a 2-2 series, so big game five game tomorrow night for Sacramento. And then Tyler Harrow broke his hand. So you have Tyler Hero, De'Aaron Fox, Kawhi Leonard, John Morant, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Joel Embiid, Paul George, and then you also add a Victor Oladipo who suffered, who suffered another major knee injury in this playoff run for Miami, which is obviously tough to see. I mean, he's suffered now three serious leg injuries, and he's battled back from every single one, but you never want to see a guy go down with another knee injury, especially a guy like Victor Oladipo who worked so hard to get back to where he got to. You never want to see more injuries. And every single one of, the, one of those guys has missed at least a game besides... De'Aaron Fox looks like he's going to play. But that's a lot of big injuries there. A lot of big injuries. De'Aaron's fractured finger, John Moran's hand injury, Joel Embiid's knee injury, Giannis's back, Tyler Hero's hand fractured, Kawhi Leonard's knee sprain, Victor Oladipo, Spatella, tendon tear. I mean, these injuries are all over the place. And this is the time when you're supposed to see the stars shine. But at the end of the day, I mean, if you look at this, the NBA playoffs this year, you're seeing a lot of the stars off of the court and injured. So now I'm going to talk about a lot of my boys that have been balling out. And my five, my five favorite plays in the NBA, no particular order here, but I guess the top three, I mean, you can mix around. Russell Westbrook, De'Aaron Fox, Paul George. My three favorite players right there. Two of those three guys are balling out. Paul George is obviously still out here for the Clippers. He won't be playing in game five tonight. Suffered that knee injury with about a week or two left in the season, season against Oklahoma City. And hasn't found his health. And obviously the Clippers would love to have him back. But the reality is, he won't be back for Game 5 tonight. Probably won't be back for Game 6 on Thursday night. But if all things were to go well, maybe he were to be back in a Game 7 and the Clippers could somehow find a way to win the next two games. But my five favorite plays in the NBA, Jimmy Butler, Anthony Edwards, De'Aaron Fox, uh, De'Aaron Fox, Paul George, Russell Westbrook, Anthony Edwards, Jimmy Butler. So as for the four other guys that are healthy besides Paul George, Edwards, Westbrook, Fox, Butler, all four of those guys have been balling in the NBA playoffs. Anthony Edwards has been doing great for Minnesota. And I think if you look at it, Minnesota, they don't really have enough depth to really keep up with the Minnesota Timberwolves. And I loved Anthony Edwards' quote after game three. He said, it's first to four, not first to three. Basically saying, I mean, you can't count out the Minnesota Timberwolves. And he had a great game four and ended up leading them to a big six-point win over Denver in game four. Minnesota was home. Now they have to go to Denver in Game 5, which is a little bit tougher of a matchup. But Anthony Edwards in the playoffs has been averaging 32.3 points per game, 4.8 assists, 4.3 rebounds, 2.3 steals, 2 blocks per game, shooting 40.5% from 3, 48.3% from the floor. He's been unreal. His last game was huge. I mean, it's an elimination game. Looking like Jimmy Butler out there, just giving it everything he had. 34 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals, 3 blocks. 5 of 12 from 3, 41.7% from the three-point line, 44% from the floor overall, giving the Timbers everything he had in 45 minutes of action. And that's a Jimmy Butler performance right there. And Jimmy Butler, I mean, he's on something this playoff run. I think everybody knows Jimmy Butler. You really can't count him out. You can never count out Jimmy Butler. And that's why you can't count, the, can't count out the Miami Heat, who are now up 3-1 on the Milwaukee Bucks. Obviously, Giannis Antetokounmpo's injury has helped them get to where they're at. But three out of situations, they have been winning games. They even won yesterday with Giannis healthy, with Chris Middleton healthy, with Drew, Drew Holiday healthy. The Heat won that game without Tyler Hero and without Victor Oladipo. Hero's a star. Victor Oladipo's a good role player now. 
But they won that game with Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. But what spoke most about that game was the performance of Jimmy Butler. 56 points, 15-18 free throw shooting, 19-28 from the floor for 68% uh, field goal percentage, 3-8 of from 3, which is good enough for 38% from the three-point line, 9 rebounds, 4 offensive rebounds, 2 assists, 1 block, and played 40 minutes and 45 seconds, giving the Miami Heat a 5-point win over Milwaukee. Now the Heat are up 3-1. All three wins have been big games, one of them being on the road at Milwaukee in Game 1. They won the last two games now uh, at home in Miami, winning by 22 and 5 points. This last game, though, historic game from Jimmy Butler. 56 points is the fourth most in an NBA playoff game ever. And I think you look at it, and I know a lot of analysts are saying it's the best playoff performance ever for Miami Heat player. I would agree. I would agree. There's nobody that turns it up like Jimmy Butler in the playoffs. I think he's the best player in the NBA in the playoffs, year in and year out. I said this last week, around the time of the NBA play-in tournament when the Heat lost Game 1. I think it was right before Game 1 I gave an NBA play-in preview because I think they started on a Tuesday. I think it was a couple Tuesdays ago now, so it was April 11th. I said, Jimmy Butler is, uh, no joke, in my eyes, the best player in the NBA every single time the playoffs come around. And I know a lot of people are going to call me crazy. People would rather have Giannis. People would rather have Steph. People would rather have Jason Tatum. People would rather have Joel Embiid. But if you look at what Jimmy Butler gives you every gives you every single night, that it doesn't compare to anybody else. You're getting 35 minutes of action in the first four games, 41 minutes of action last night, but overall in the first four games, 35 minutes of action, 36 and a half points per game with five assists, 5.5 rebounds, 1.8 steals, also averaging 52.9% shooting from three, 62.8% from the floor. Overall, you don't get that from anybody else. You don't get that from anybody else. De'Aaron Fox has been great for the Sacramento Kings. And even though he's been averaging more minutes per game, I think it's honestly more impressive what Jimmy Butler's doing. And I love De'Aaron Fox. But I think it's more impressive with what Jimmy Butler's doing. He's going up against the Milwaukee Bucks without Tyler Hero now, without Victor Oladipo. Giannis is coming in healthy to yesterday's game with a back injury. And he got a win. And I'm going to talk about De'Aaron Fox really quick. I probably only got a couple more minutes before the sports guru Mike Hurley comes on. But De'Aaron Fox... 31.5 points per game so far in the first first four playoff games. It's obviously 2-2 two two now between the Warriors and the Kings. Game 5 tomorrow night will be in Sacramento. But if you look at De'Aaron, 31.5 points per game, 6 rebounds, 7 assists, 2.5 steals, also averaging 34.2% from the three-point line, 44.7% from the floor, 70% from the free throw line, also averaging 38.5 minutes per game. I think De'Aaron Fox didn't get the credit he deserved heading into the season. The last two years, honestly, De'Aaron Fox has been great in the fourth quarter in crunch time. I know he was just named the NBA Clutch Player of the Year for what he's been doing in the fourth quarter. And his fourth quarter uh, heroics have not just been something that was just this season. De'Aaron Fox has been great in the fourth quarter the last few seasons. And I think he didn't get that credit maybe because Sacramento wasn't a good team heading into this season. And whenever he was having a big game in the fourth quarter and gave Milwaukee or gave Sacramento a big... 8-10 to 10 point fourth quarter run in the fourth quarter. They were only winning, you know, a few of those games, and it was under the, you know, shadow of the losses. He could have 10 points in the fourth quarter, but if Sacramento loses, no one's going to talk about it. Even if they win, a team like Sacramento only wins 30 to 35 games in a season, they're not going to get the attention that they deserve, or De'Aaron Fox doesn't get the attention he deserves because he's on a poor team. But now this season, he's getting the, finally getting the attention and the acknowledgement he deserves for how well he's been playing in the fourth quarter over the last few years. He's been the king of the NBA in the fourth quarter for each of the last two seasons. Did he get that respect? No, he didn't. Is he getting it now, though? Yeah, he is. And rightfully so, he deserves it. Rightfully so, he deserves it. And another player that deserves more credit, Russell Westbrook. And that's one guy I stayed with. And everybody knows if you listen to this podcast or my radio show, whatever it may be, whether you listen live on air or live on Spotify or YouTube, whatever it may be, you know I'm the biggest Russell Westbrook fan. I stayed with Russell Westbrook every step of the way he prevailed. I stayed with Daniel Jones every step of the way he prevailed. I stayed with De'Aaron Fox every step of the way. Even though De'Aaron Fox was never really criticized or scrutinized like Russell Westbrook or Daniel Jones, I always said De'Aaron Fox was going to be the player he is now. I stayed put by that. A couple other guys I want to mention besides Russell Westbrook, besides Daniel Jones. And I think if you look at it, Jaron Duran's another one here, but Jaron Duran really, you know, he needs a bigger sample size. I can't say Jaron Duran's not a stop player, but there's a good amount of players in the league where if they get criticized, I become more of a fan of a player when they get criticized. Especially a guy like Daniel Jones, when he had nothing around him, it wasn't his fault, 
for the poor production on the offense, considering he didn't really have an offensive coordinator. He had four offensive coordinators and three head coaches in his first four years in the NFL. I mean, not many players are going to have success in a system like that. And I stayed with Daniel Jones every step of the way. I stayed with Russell Westbrook every step of the way. I've stayed with Jaron Duran every step of the way. I always tend to like players that are under the radar, guys that are getting disrespected, whether it may be by the media, whether it may be by people on Twitter, social media in general. I stay with those guys. And Russell Westbrook, I stayed with every step of the way. And he's given the Clippers everything he's had. And even though the Clippers are now down 3-1 to one in the series, if the Phoenix Suns let the Clippers win tonight in Game 5 in Phoenix, the Clippers are winning Game 6 in LA on Thursday night, and who knows what happens in Game 7. If Phoenix wants to win this series and make sure everything's locked up, which the chance of them falling down 3-1 and making it 3-3 still isn't high, but as a Clippers fan, I'm always going to say this team's going to win. I'm never going to say the Clippers are going to lose because of how big of a fan I am. But if the Phoenix Suns let the Clippers get any breathing room and win tonight and go into LA down 3-2, that's their biggest mistake. And Russell Westbrook has been giving them fits. Giving them fits. He's averaging 26 points per game in the playoffs now in four games with 7.5 rebounds, 7.3 assists, 1.5 steals, 1.8 blocks. Also averaging 40.9% shooting from the three-point line, 46% from the floor, and 38.2 minutes of action, and an 88.2% from the free throw. Russell Westbrook has been excellent for the Clippers. And that includes a 3-for-19 game in game one, he's three of nineteen from the floor in game one, one of six and three in game one. You take that away, and you look at Russell, what Russell Westbrook's been doing over his last three games. He's averaging thirty-one point seven points per game with seven of six, six point three rebounds per game, one point three blocks, one point three steals, ninety-two point nine percent from the free throw line, fifty percent from the three-point line, and he's shooting fifty-four point four percent from the floor over his last three games. And he's been doing a lot of this his last two games: thirty points and thirty-seven points. Shooting 3 of 7 from 3 and 3 of 6 and 3, 11 of 23 from the floor and 17 and 29 from the floor, respectively. He's been doing that without Kawhi Leonard, without Paul George. And no one's expecting this Clippers team to win without Paul George or Kawhi Leonard. But one thing you can't expect, and I expected anyways, whether this Clippers team were to have lost in four games, one in seven games, whatever it may be, I knew no matter what, no matter what the situation is, the Clippers being down 3-1, up 1-0, tied 2-2, down 3-2, heading into game six. Whatever the situation may be, I knew Russell Westbrook was going to give everything he had. And that's one thing he didn't get credit for. De'Aaron Fox didn't get credit for how well he played in the fourth quarter over the last couple seasons. Now he's finally getting that. Russell Westbrook did not get the credit he deserved for giving everything he had on a nightly basis. Yes, it wasn't a good fit in L.A. with the Lakers. I know that. Everyone knows that. Does that mean I wasn't going to root for him in in L.A.? No. I, I was obviously going to root for him. Was it my dream come true that Russell Westbrook wasn't L.A. Clipper? Yes. Because I love Russell Westbrook, and it made my life, honestly, seeing him in a Clippers uniform. Even if this season doesn't work out, I had the thrill of being able to see him play in a Clippers uniform. And even though it was very short-lived, he was only picked up by the Clippers on his first game was February 24th. And even though it was very short-lived, if that were to be the end of the Russell Westbrook era with the Clippers, and he only played 25 games now with the Clippers, I got to see my favorite player on my favorite team. And that was a thrill on its own. No matter what happens... And even the Clippers rip it up by the end of the season, which Russell Westbrook is a free agent at the end of this season. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard both have one year left on their deals. We will see what happens there in the future. There is a good chance they split it up. And even though I don't want that to happen because I love Paul George and Kawhi Leonard together, the reality is this team has been built to win. They have the highest payroll in the NBA, the second highest luxury tax payroll in the NBA. And they have the richest owner in the NBA, one of the richest people in all of America, America, Steve Ballmer. And former executive from Microsoft. And I don't think he wants to see a team that's built to win that continues to find ways to lose. So we will see what happens with the Clippers. But as of now, they're down 3-1. to one, And I have confidence in them getting a win tonight. Hopefully, Paul George, if things were to work out, the Clippers were to somehow win Game 5 and Game 6, hopefully Paul George would be back in Game 7 because I like the Clippers' chances if that's the case. And the Clippers have only been in these games because of their depth. Bones Highland, Terrence Mann, Russell Westbrook, Norman Powell, they have to lead the Clippers tonight. And I see a big game from Terrence Mann. He's been shooting great from three. You need to see Terrence Mann shoot more. That's a reality. Terrence Mann has to shoot the ball more. He has to. Over his last three games, he's shooting 7-10 from three with 10 points, 10 points, and 13 points. He has to shoot the ball more. That's a formula for the Clippers to win. Terrence Mann has to shoot the ball more. Bones Highland has to be a little bit more consistent from three. And Russell Westbrook, just continue to do what you've been doing. Don't let anybody doubt you. Why not us? That's my argument. 
in my motto, the whole entire playoff run, why not us? Anyways, I will conclude my talk about the Clippers. Give me one minute. I'm going to have the sports guru, Mike Hurley, come on, and I'll be back with you guys in just one minute. And here he is, the sports guru, Mike Hurley, making a return to the show. As always, a pleasure. How are we doing, Mike? Uh, here we go. Here we go, baby. Great to have you on. And just as I say that, Jaron Durant, Grand Slam, socks are up 7 to nothing. I knew Jaron Durant was going to be this big. Four, 409-foot home run to center field on a Grand Slam. Socks up 7 nothing at the top of the third. I knew Jaron Durant was going to be a spot this lineup. Excited to see him doing big things. With a dong in every ballpark, probably. I guess so. Yeah, probably most. Probably most ballparks. Um... So we'll start off with the Bruins. Obviously, has been a great playoff run. Patrice Bergeron's injury. They've had injuries, though. I want to get your take on the on the injuries. I think he's coming. I think he's supposed to play. Um, I think if he's good to go, you play him. Uh, no reason to sit a guy out who obviously is itching to play, and you know, presuming the Bruins win this game um, and knock out Florida, you don't want to just have him sitting on his hands for another week. If uh, you know. Some of these other Eastern Conference series go the distance. Hundred percent. You want to see him out there on the ice. Same thing with David Krejci because he's been out as well. Mm-hmm. It's also it's just going to be a tougher matchup against uh, Tampa or Toronto. Looking like Toronto right now, but we don't know. Both those teams have much better center depth than uh, Florida right now. Barkov's he's their guy, but he's been pretty bad. I think he's been getting outclassed. Hey, Sam Bennett's been money though. Yeah, yeah, he's pretty good. He plays, I think, a little wing and center, but he's more of like a third line guy. So you compare him to like Charlie Coyle, you don't compare him to Bergeron. Yeah, no, he's not a Bergeron, but he, I like the way he plays, and, and my daddy he's likes him as well. He does play well. He scored in what two of the three games now? Two of the four games? Uh, yeah, I think his first game back he scored, and then you know he might have chipped in another. Uh, I think he has two goals in the playoffs now. Let me see. I'll make sure here. I'm right, but I like the way he plays. He plays hard. Uh, I want to get your take though on the Bruins, and obviously. Obviously, the injury we talked about, uh, Bergeron's injury, yeah. David Krejci's been banged up as Rich, well, yeah. which I don't know what the timeline is on his injury, but... I don't think... I doubt he'll be back this series. It looks like he was skating on his own, which is usually a... You're still a little ways away sign. Yeah, which is obviously tough. You don't want to see... Because they, you know, they play tomorrow, and then if they have to play game six down in Florida on Friday, so... Yeah. Would you make them travel? Probably not. Probably not. You're right. I, I'd agree with you there. Um, one thing I want to also get your take on here was the whole Omak versus... Uh, Kachuk fight, which I honestly was happy Almach didn't get in the fight. I know it obviously fires up hockey fans, but I think if you look at it, was it worth him getting injured? Let's say he threw a punch and hit him in the helmet or something and, and fractured his hand. Would it be worth it? I don't no, think so. I, I think um, it was a little bit like showmanship. He was already tied up by the linesman, both of them. So like he was just flipping the gloves off just to like yeah. kind of rise out of the crowd. You know, It looks I, good. Yeah, I think if the Bruins weren't a winning team, let's say if they were Montreal, let's say, and they, this was the last game of the season, he probably would have fought. But considering they have Stanley Cup hopes and have the most wins in NHL history in a single season, was a good idea not to throw any punches, correct? You would agree with that? It, also, they say he might be hurt because um, he's been missing some practice. I think it was game four, right? Before, yeah, the last game. Uh, Montgomery said, oh, we might go with Swayman because it's two days off before the next game. But Which, you're the biggest Swayman guy. How much been the right call so far? Hey, you're the biggest Swayman guy. <laughs> You are yeah, a Swayman guy. I'm on the Swayman train. Um, that's fair. He got in the game for a couple minutes. He did. Yeah, he did. Uh, he yeah, got two or three minutes. Split the net, and in the playoffs, Omark dropped the first two games in Carolina, and then Swayman came in, played the last five, and he won three. Won three out of two. So, yeah, you're a big Swayman guy. But this playoffs, he had the better playoff resume. That's true. You main. You main. Paul but, Korea. Hey, it's, a, it's an embarrassment of riches. Uh, I go with whoever's been the best, and Allmark's been better this year. It's actually a little bit like 2010. Rasp was great. Um, and then Tim 2011, Thomas, is good, Thomas yeah. is back from surgery. He was, you know, Vesna yeah. Caliber and Definitely. did well in the playoffs. Definitely. Uh, so you look at the Bruins, obviously, coming into this season. I think most people thought, okay, they're not bad enough to get a high draft pick, but they're not good enough to win a Stanley Cup final. That was what most yeah. analysts were saying. Even though I know that's what right. you thought. That's what most analysts thought, right? And this team, for some reason, I think what, what honestly has helped this team is how deep they are. And it's not just Marshan and Bergey and Pasta scoring. Taylor Hall has been great in the playoffs. made four goals, three assists. Yeah, he leads them in points. He does, which I know, I know obviously, you, you like Hall. I'm, but I'm you're a not critical of Hall, but he's, he's critical of exactly you like him. what you want to see. Well, you need to also light a spot under him. I think he needs a little criticism. You know what I mean? I think I think when you look at a guy that's won an MVP, it was a top pick in the NHL draft, it was a first-over pick. pick. Yeah. 
Sometimes they think I'm better than, you know, any of the criticism anybody gives me. But at the end of the, at the, end of the day, LeBron James even needs coaching. Even if he doesn't think it. Everyone needs a, needs a boot. Everyone needs a little guidance, a little film, a little coaching. Everybody does. And I think Taylor Hall's been great. He clearly probably took less money this year. I mean, $6 million. Do I think he was worth $6 million this year? No. I mean, he didn't even get 20 goals, but... Uh, <laughs> he didn't even play that much towards the end, yeah, right? He, he missed yeah, the last couple he months. a lot of time, too. But uh, he, right now, I mean, he broke the game open the last couple of games. I think... Uh, you know, he might have had like a secondary assist on DeBrusque's two goals, but he, I think really he did. was the guy that made the play happen. So oh, I think he did. So. Um, it, his, his breakaway goal there, where he like matadored uh, Gudas, that that was the nail in the coffin. Yeah, it was huge. It was huge. I mean, he had two goals in that same game, right? Was it two goals by Hall? I mean, if, if he's going, I called into Felger Mads. I said, if Hall's playing like this, they're in business. I mean, I think, it, not even just Hall. I mean, you guys are your second, third, fourth lines all producing. That was all yeah, year long. I think pretty much... Oh, oh, yeah. Pretty much third line, second third line. Not even yeah. on the power play. Think about that. He switched he around. He's MVP on the back of the power play, and he's not even on it. Well, he's a great setup guy. I mean, even though he doesn't want to shoot That's ever, great. he's he's a great setup guy, which I think Krejci is the best, one of the best in the league still at, at passing. Yeah, Krejci, Bergeron, Hall's good. Yeah, Hall's good. Uh, what about your boy Bertuzzi, which isn't really passing here, but... Bert and Bertuzzi. I think he's been good. He's, he's been good. really... Oh, man, everyone's all over him now. But, um, yeah, he's great. He's good with Pasternak because he's good around the net. Yep. I think Bertuzzi, like 10 feet around the net, and including behind the net, he's great. Good little passes. You know, he tucks in a greasy goal here and there. Definitely. He's got some speed, too. Like, he keeps his head up when he has the puck, which is Definitely. good. So, you need a guy who's going to go in the corner and get the puck when Pasternak's out there because that's not really Pasta's game. But 100%. it is Bertuzzi's game. So, you got to have guys who complement each other on the line. So Definitely. For sure, that makes a difference. Good, uh, he fits on almost any line, just the way he plays. He's not Definitely. Like, he's not going to carry the line. But he compliments well enough that you know, like when he's out there, they've scored some goals. Defensively, though, he has made some mistakes. He was a minus three one of those games. <laughs> some backhand passes in the zone, not getting the puck out. Was he ever a great defender though, Bertuzzi? Probably not. Right? He's been okay, uh, I guess. You know, he might have played a little shorthanded in Detroit, but they're not as deep. Um, I used to remember him getting like some breakaway goals. He played with Larkin on the top line, so just different. I mean, he's on a much better team. It's deeper. I don't know how much PK he did. Yeah. Um, I mean, he plays a little he physical, might, too. That might help a little. Yeah, he plays physical. He doesn't crush guys. He's not McAvoy out there, but he doesn't shy away from contact, which is good. You know, He roughs it up. You know. Definitely. No, I would agree with you there. Uh, so if you look around the NHL, which I'm gonna, we can still talk bees, obviously. This is just a question about the NHL and yeah, the yeah. bees. You look at the Eastern yeah. Conference, who do you fear the most? Is it Tampa Bay? I, I think the second round is going to be the toughest for the Bruins, no matter who comes out. It looks like the Leafs have their number right now. Tampa's dealing with a lot of injuries. Yeah, I was wrong Edmund about that the series. Game. They got spanked 7-2. Uh, Point. Point was out. Yeah. They played like five minutes last game. So. I love Point. Point's Ooh. such a beast. You're talking about probably their two best players. Yeah. Uh, I know they got Kucherov and Stamkos, and, but Vasilevsky's Vasilevsky. been shaky. Yeah, he's been as good. I mean, they always find ways yeah. to win, though. I mean, this, this might be they probably done now, yeah, maybe. But well, they were up three goals last game, and they lost. And they lost. So. That, I texted you, and I said, hey, uh, Lightning at six. I think I had the Lightning at six or seven, I predicted. I didn't get to record, but I went at Lightning at six or seven. Now I'm probably dead wrong. They might even lose in five. Yeah, I mean, you know, one bounce, and it's a 2-2 series. But, you know, 3-1 going back up to Toronto. You don't know if points going to be full go. Headman's yeah. clearly dealing with something, and Vasilevsky's—I mean, they've been scoring on him nonstop. They put up four, five, seven, so you know. Yeah, no, <laughs> they they've been scoring. They've been scoring. Yeah, Vasilevsky's been getting lit. So up. He's not nineteen goals allowed. The Lightning have given up nineteen goals, which is the most in the NHL playoffs so far. The Bruins, mm-hmm. bottom of the spectrum, tied for the second best with only eleven goals yeah. allowed. The Rangers, though, Shesterkin only seven goals allowed. Um, both yeah, every that's team because the first two games they only allowed one goal. One each goal, yeah. yeah, yeah. Which but do that's you a fit? Two series. Yeah, I would agree with Devils, you there. Devils won two on the road. Yeah, you like the Devils, right? Is that who you're rooting for in that series? Uh, I prefer the Devils to win. Yeah, um, they had the better season, so it's kind of like give them a little reward. But I don't know. It does look like when the both teams crank it up, it looks like the Rangers are better. They're, they're just a little deeper from a roster standpoint. Definitely, New Jersey's a little more young. But, We're on top draft picks on New Jersey, but if you look at, uh, which yeah. also Timo Meyer they have as well, my boys not, yeah, not, not young. But, but like, hey, the Rangers sold out and they got Patrick Kane. Patrick Kane. Oh, the power, power play's loaded. I mean, that's ridiculous, though. They're Panarin they're and all them. On five, though, I think they're a little, they're a little soft. The Rangers. I think they're isn't they? They're a good team. I think with that Patrick Kane move, though, they got a little bit overhyped. Even though they're a good team, 
Don't get me wrong. I know the soft thing. I get that. He's a finesse guy. He's good. He's he's good. He's He's not MVP anymore, though. No, I mean, he still produces points, but he's, you know, you can key on him if you really want to. All the power play goals they got were from Kreider in front. Yeah. like, he's their rough and tumble forward. Definitely. Hasn't scored in the past couple of games, I don't think. Former BC guy there. Kreider. BC, yeah. BC goal. I think a year before... uh, before I got in there? A year or two. Yeah, he was a legend back in yeah. the day. Um, a couple uh, championships. He did. He did. Jerry York. Jerry York loved him. Um, he overlapped with Gaudreau, though, for one of them. So I think so, was, yeah. But you were there Gaudreau's during the Gaudreau era, right? Year. You were there I was, but one yeah, year? Gaudreau's freshman year, um, 2012, they won it all. So. Yeah. I remember that you got there. You were there with one year with Gaudreau? He played, stayed for... One year, yeah. Then he went right? to the NHL mm-hmm. during the... Once they got bounced... Yeah, that was it. That was it. I mean, he was great right away in the NHL too. I mean, that speed was just ridiculous. Uh, that BC team's next. That BC hockey team next year, which I know a few years ago they had a great recruiting class. My freshman year in twenty nineteen, this class coming in though is going to be great. So we'll see if BC hockey gets back to being you know national powerhouse. Could be this power, year. Yeah, you hope so, right? Um, that Big Ten, the Big Ten's killing. Yeah, they are. They. I mean, it's the Midwest, and then also you look at you know teams in the East Coast, the Hockey East, then Midwest. That's usually what you know dominates well, coach hockey. Quinnipiac won East Coast, yeah. yeah. New England. I was happy about that. Yeah, they got a big win. I respected that. They had the best goalie, or one of. I think Devin Levi is the best goalie in college hockey. One of the best goalies in uh, yeah, Parrots, the, the goalie. He was the hottest. But I think Levi, I mean, it wasn't his fault. That, you know, Northeastern didn't get to where they wanted to. But all in all, uh, Parrots, great goalie. And then obviously they had the top, I think they were top three offense. And then the best goalie in uh, goals allowed per game, which is which is impressive. So... When you have a great offense and a great defense in college hockey, especially when it's only single elimination, you don't need to beat teams three, two, two out of three times. You can beat a powerhouse like Minnesota or Michigan. You know, yeah, yeah. a lot of college teams too. They they might have one dominant line. I know Minnesota had a big line. Yeah, Logan Cooley. BC was that way. Every team is sort of that way though, because you got freshmen. But yeah, if anyone sticks around who's actually NHL caliber through like junior year, definitely. You know, you're gonna have a big one. Hundred percent makes a difference. Uh, you want to talk about the West out there? Yeah, let's talk about the West. Yeah. Let's talk about the West. Let's talk with the Edmonton Orioles. Let's start with them. Yeah. Let's start with Edmonton. Yeah. You know I'm a big you know I'm a big Edmonton guy. It's 2-2. I know you liked the Kings to win this series, or at least I you did. liked them to I bat at win it. I forget if you had them winning or not. But I liked Edmonton to win this in six games. Probably not likely now. I mean, it's 2-2. Lost, uh, the LA Kings have been giving them trouble. And I, I didn't think the Kings were even that good. I mean, I know they had a better season this year than they've had in years past. But they've been in every single game. They've been in every game. Even the games they lost, they only lost by a couple goals in game two. Uh, and then even in game, was it game four? Uh, they lost by uh, an overtime it's goal. It's been all one-goal game. games except game two. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They've been in every game. I think it's honestly probably going to go Three seven games. Probably go seven games. games. You think it goes seven there? I think so. I think seven, yeah. I think both teams, like Edmonton's got the high-flying, you know, McDavid, Drys- I don't know, I'm not a dry saddle guy, but he's been good. Um, yeah, you don't like dry side. Oh, I know you don't. I think he's he, he gets victimized in the defensive zone, neutral zone. He, he like, when he tries, he's great offensively, but yeah. I just don't think he gives the same effort without the puck. And he's a little bit of a he's not that good defensively, though, is he? I don't think so. No, but they'll put him out there on four and four and stuff. Um, yeah, he's, you know he's a, he's a load to handle. He's a big guy, good hands, good shot. I mean the speed too. I mean he's a great player. The king, yeah, the Kings are a little more scrappy. They just kind of put it together with what they have. Drew Doughty. Um, I think their best offensive guy is uh, Kempe. He scored a few goals. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then uh, also but, Drew Doughty, your boy. Eh, Doughty, yeah, Doughty is not my favorite, but you know, he's good. He's past his prime. He's well past his prime. So he's not like the dominant force. Definitely. He is. Still plays a good style of game, though. It's you know, 100%. aggressive. I think uh, I think that second round matchup. Let's say it's going to be. I think I imagine Vegas wins, right? They're going to beat uh, Winnipeg next oh, yeah. game. Probably they, so. that's been a great series. I think it's had the most hits per game. It's like one hundred five. Three one is it? Yeah. But uh, the Jets have been getting banged up. Yeah. Shifley got hurt last game. Without Shifley, yeah, they're not going to win. They're not. Yeah. Yeah. Not going to win another game. Top probably. defenseman, one of the top forwards, both banged up. I mean, anybody really have the expectation of Winnipeg to be that good this year, though? Like they were okay I mean, last year, right? A good roster. That's the they thing. were okay last I mean, year. I think right? they yeah. underachieved, uh, so their seeding hurts because now they're playing Vegas. Vegas is good. They're yeah. number one seed. So that's true. I don't know the expectations that Vegas high. Better, I want Vegas to win. Cassidy, I think I took Bruins Vegas as my I would finals matchup. I think game 
we're not getting round two in that series over there in the West, whether it's the Oilers versus Vegas or Vegas versus LA. I want to be Vegas versus the Oilers. I like the Oilers, so I had the Oilers winning that. I still have to give out my full predictions here, but I have the Oilers winning that, maybe just because I like yeah. McDavid. Uh, I know you're not the biggest fan of him, but um, I would have the Oilers beating them in seven games. If anything, he's, in the playoffs, he struggled. Well, he doesn't individually struggle so bad. He, he's not the same because everyone checks and skates as hard as they can. But yeah. It's hard to produce as a one-man show in the playoffs. When oh, definitely. Diving, blocking shots, and especially in a seven-game series. Seven-game series. Yeah. You know, you can have a big game. Doesn't mean you're going to be great in the other, you know, other three or four games. Yeah. And he's just to put it plainly, he's not a great face-off guy. He's um, not. No. What is he around forty percent? Deploy him offensively. You know, he's going to be taking the the high-pressure offensive zone face-offs, some defensive ones. Definitely. And yeah, who's the guy? The guy in LA, Philip Dano. He practices with Bergeron. Mm-hmm. In the, in the summers. So he's actually a pretty good faceoff guy. He's pretty good against McDavid matchup wise. That's why the Kings are giving him a hard time. Definitely. I didn't I didn't see this in the Kings. I saw them I saw the Oilers in six. I didn't see them being two two after four games. I thought maybe it'd be three one they steal a game. I think the Oilers might have the better goalie. Yeah. Which has been a problem for them, so yeah, last that year, I mean, the downfall of the Kings. Smith was all right last year when they had Mike Smith, right? That was a goal last year. Yeah, he was all right. Stuart Skinner, he's yeah. all right. He's, he's played a lot of games, so. Yeah, he's experienced, which helps. He's hanging in there. Uh, I liked the Oilers last year, actually, to, to win that first-round match. I think, it was, I think it was against Calgary last year, if I remember right. Uh, yeah. I think they beat Calgary first round last year, which not many people had that. Uh, but that maybe just because I liked an underdog pick there. But I know Winnipeg wiped them out first round two years ago, maybe. Yeah, I believe so. I think the Kings might have beaten the Oilers... I don't know if it was last year or, year, or uh, recently, anyways. Uh, the Oilers like lost three, last year to uh, Colorado. They beat Colorado. it was they beat Calgary in the second round. They beat the Kings in the first round, Calgary in the second round, uh, and then third round is when they lost to uh, the Avalanche. Which the Abs? Let's talk about the Abs. I mean, Kale McCaw just got suspended for that hit that he had. Yeah. Uh, I believe it was in yesterday's game. That was a dirty hit against the boards. That was a dirty, dirty hit. Late play, and I mean, if you're looking at it. The way we can look at it, like headline is top defensive guy won the Conn Smythe last year. Chases down the Kraken's leading goal scorer, forty goals. Jared McCann, right? He was yep. clearly in alone. He took a shot, saved, bounces out of play. He kind of brushes him and then reengages and crushes him on for the no course. reason. Like, I mean, wasn't the play. wasn't the puck wait, already? Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. The puck was already stopped. Right, the, the, the play was already play. stopped. Right, the puck was out of play. Yeah. So yeah, people were like, yeah, a fan was already like jumping up and down with the puck, and this guy's crushing. Him. Took his head off. I mean, I, it's a one-game yeah, suspension, hurt, but right? he, he did get hurt. He did get hurt. Like you said, he's a, a big goal scorer. But that one-game suspension is huge because you look at that series right now, it's 2-2. It, it's 2-2. Oh, yeah, two, two. Two, two. That's, that's a big suspension there. I'm not the biggest Mikhail Kha guy, maybe because he went to USA Amherst, maybe because I think he's a little overrated. I think he's good. Don't get me wrong. I think he's a little overrated. A little bit of down here this year scoring-wise. Maybe it's because Colorado – I mean, they did lose a couple pieces in the offseason. I don't think that's the main reason he went down to goals, but – I think at the end of the day, if you look at him, I think he's a good defenseman. I don't think he's Bobby Orr, though. And there were comparisons to that after they won the yeah. cup last year. Well, I mean, the funny thing is, he gets suspended for a bad hit. He's not much of a hitter, really. Like, you see McAvoy. Yeah, McAvoy hits, hits guys in the middle of the ice, always. Like, there's some guys who lay big hits, especially in the playoffs. Definitely. I feel like that's an element Makai doesn't have. But it's not, you know, he, he defends with his skates and his stick. I mean, he's a fast guy. He can skate. He's He's got great hands, pivot. too. He's a great stick handler. He's got great strength. speed. If he's not a big physical guy, there's no need to go. He's got a good shot. Take people's heads off. Definitely. I mean, he's more of an offensive defensive, but he can play defense. He's good on defense. He's both. But, he, you know, he's, he's more of an offensive, I'd say. That's more of his, his, his power. But yeah, his skating and stick skills are like a forward. So. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, it's a big loss for them, though. I mean, Kraken have an opening to... Win that. Win if they can win that next game. I mean, they surprised me, but you like Seattle in this series, right? Yeah, well, I think I like Seattle to give them a run. Uh, I love the Avs in the Avs 5 or 6. I love the Avs in 6. Which they did win. Mm-hmm. Avalanche just have, like, I mean, they won the Cup last year, so they've got the pieces, they have experience, you know. The Kraken don't have Kale McCarr, and they don't have Nathan McKinnon. You're right. They just don't have these top-end guys, but Avalanche have some injuries, you know, a lot of tread on tires for some of these guys who played a lot of minutes uh, the past two years. Like, I think Landis Collar, he's has yeah. played pretty much the whole year. Yeah, he had some injuries. Rantanen, I think he only got his first couple goals last game, and he was one of their top point getters this year, leading goal scorer and you would, over 50. You would think Kamikaze's offensive numbers would go up with those guys not out there, right? But it didn't. It went down. I don't know what happened. Like I said, maybe it's moving pieces. They lost some guys with some injuries. Maybe 
he's dealing with something. Yeah, could be part. Of, also, could just be you know it, it's just a different you know thing you're running, a different system with who the guy with the guys you've out there. If you don't have, you know, McKinnon and, and Landeskog and all those guys healthy, I mean, you might be running something a little bit different from the point. You might not be getting as many shots. I'm not sure. I didn't really watch many Avs games, but you would know more than me about that, you know, how, what they were doing the whole season. But yeah. um, I think it's a tough matchup for them, too, because actually the Avs are a speed team. And the yeah. Kraken are one of the fastest teams. Just like all their players, mm-hmm. that's how they defend. You know, they're not big and physical. They're more of a speed team. So Definitely. You know, speed on speed gets tough. Definitely. Uh, how do you feel about that Minnesota Wild Dallas Stars series? Obviously now it's tied two two. Yeah. I think game five is tonight. Uh, big game. I think it's in Dallas if I remember right. It is. Yeah. Uh, big game though. How do you feel about that series? Uh, I think this one could go seven. Um, been back and forth. Wild took the first game. Stars second game. Wild third. Pretty good game three. A lot of goals. The Stars snuck out a win. Yeah, yeah. High I high score games. Going seven. I'm not sure who I really root for. I like both teams. They have some good players. You know, Sagan's on the Stars. Sagan and Jimmy Ben. But I think the Wild are a little bit heavier. So Former BC I guy as well. They, they Matt Boldy. Oh, yeah, Boldy. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize. He was put on a clinic like the last month of the season. He was one of the best goal scorers in all of the NHL the last he's month. He's had a few hat-tricks and everything. Yeah, he's good. He's so been they great. Got him, they got Kirill Kaprizov, Matt yep. Zuccarello. Zuccarello's good. Uh, Johansson, he's got the best goal in the playoffs so far. Definitely. I saw that one. Animal. <laughs> I saw that. So, I think the Wild I think the Wild can get it done. I think it's uh, seven. Yeah. Yeah, but probably seven games series. The Stars are supposed to have the goaltending advantage, but Hasn't shown uh, haven't shown it's been, it. It's been close. Ottinger, yeah, he's good. Haven't shown it. But yeah, I think I, I mean he's, he's a hockey East guy, right? Was he BU? I think so, yes, he was a BU guy. I think, so. uh, I think if you look at it though, I think even if he's having a bad play, if not as good, it only takes one big game. To say, oh hey, we won this series. Escape. If they escape the series and then he has a great, you know, second round, that's all you care about. You just want to escape. It's all about advancing, right? That that's what goes down. And a lot of times, the first round is the toughest because like both teams are more or less healthy. You feel each other out. You feel each other out. I mean, the Bruins even had injuries. That's that's one thing you got to factor in about the bees. Is some teams have moving moving pots. Some teams, I mean, were just there just to be happy to be there. You know what I mean? The teams that didn't expect to get in. That obviously happens. Every single year, um, I mean, even in the NBA, right? I mean, the Oklahoma City Thunder yeah. in the playing tournament, they ended up losing in that second playing game. They didn't expect to be where they were at this season. Uh, no, no one expected. Usually, the favorites, the favorites roll in the first round. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the time, right? But look at the Miami Heat; they they made it in, and then now they're gonna beat the Bucks. That's but true, right? That's the number one seed they're going. Three one. I mean, Giannis's injury. I, mean, helps. I guess injuries though. Like, yeah, Giannis. Giannis missed. Giannis's injury is huge. He missed two games. <laughs> Um, which is obviously a big deal. Um, one of the series, though, we didn't mention here was the Hurricanes. I went to series of backing out of the Eastern Conference. Yeah. The Isles the down three one. I was rooting for the Isles. My buddy Dan said, well, "You know, Dan." Isles right now. So. All right, there we go. One one zip Isles. That's huge. You know, I'm rooting for the Isles for Dan's sake. I said this to him, and I, I stand by the same thing with the Clippers. If the Isles win tonight in Game Five, I think they win Game Six, force a Game Seven. Same thing with the Clippers. I think a 3-1 difference, uh, the biggest... Yeah, they, they get game six at home, so that's... Exactly, both of them would be game six at home, which is huge, right? But I think you look at it, the biggest difference in the playoffs is 2-2 versus 3-1. Losing that 2-2 chance and yeah. being down 3-1 is bad, and now you're going to win three in a row. But at the end of the day, even when you 2-2 doesn't guarantee you're going to win, obviously puts you in a little bit better position, you're still going to win those games. Now the backs are against the wall, the Clippers and the Isles, I like the both to win game five and force a game six. Yeah. So, well, I mean, if you if you make it two two, you just guarantee yourself another home game. So you're right. That's, you're right. That's a big difference, you know. Exactly. Exactly. That's a, that's um, a good point. I didn't think of it that yeah. way. I thought it more just like uh, you know, two two doesn't guarantee you, but now you don't have to you know you're on the lim- I mean, elimination lane in game five. Single game. Oh, hundred percent. There is like a little different desperation when you're absolutely up against elimination versus all right. You know, it's two two. It's even. We're actually hundred percent. You know, if you're going on the road to try to win a game five and you lose it, you come back home, you know, Definitely. to be expected. But if you have to go out there and win or die, Yeah, tough. 100%. I'm with you there. So, But maybe maybe it helps the mentality, you know. A lot, a lot oh, of yeah. the put-away game is the toughest. So Definitely, because that team that's already up 3-1 to one might take them lightly. And the team that's down 3-1 is like, hey, you know, we got nothing to lose here. Everybody's just play, for, yeah, right. play to try to win. That's how it goes, you know. Got to play like with that dog mentality. But one last thing before, before we go. Uh, but I don't think the Islanders are going to win the second round, though. Sorry to Dan. Yeah, down 3 one's tough. But, hey, you never know, though. I think if they win tonight, they win game six, force a game seven. That's maybe maybe a hot take to most about the Clippers as well. But I'm, I'm an optimist. 
I'm an Hurricanes optimist. Just scored. Who scored? Hurricanes, 1-1. Um, I Nelson saw Pierre Ingval had a goal. Yeah, yeah he's got a goal. Nelson just scored 1-1. It was a power play for the Hurricanes, though, so it makes yeah. a difference. Yeah, I mean, the Islanders are lucky they squeaked in. They just don't have the offense, I don't think. Probably Even not. Bo Horvat, Barzell's back. Bo Horvat was a big pickup. Bo was yeah, a big pickup. Yeah, good player. But uh, obviously, yeah, they do have a, a little bit of a tough time scoring, uh, which you'd think with those guys healthy and, and in the lineup, they would be a little bit better. But it's a long series, obviously, and I thought they'd wake up at some point offensively, and especially on the power play. They've been struggling with the power play all season. The Owls have been bad on the power play all season. Let me see what their stats are. I'll give you that one second. Yeah, I mean, I think the Hurricanes are pretty decent on the PK. Um, yeah, they might be. But the Isles are 15.8% of the power play this season, 30th in the NHL. Yeah. So that, that, that's I, I tough. I do think the, the Hurricanes will have a tough time with uh, – the Rangers or Devils next round. Yeah, I would agree with you. You might see you might see them lose that one. With Svechnikov, oh, that's tough too. Yeah, he's done for the year. Yeah, so. that's a big loss. Um, Not many big boys like him. No, he's a he's a stud. Great scorer, obviously, a great player overall. Um, so one last thing I want to mention before I let you go. We got a couple more minutes here. We're talking about the NFL draft in just one second. Zay Flowers, where do you see him going? Would you say above? 23 and a half, so picks 1 through 23 or below, like, 24 and under. Because right now I think the Ravens are going to take him at 22. That's my guess. I don't think he gets past yeah, 22. I'm, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking he gets picked earlier because it seems like all the analytics point to you got to have these wide receivers. they got to be playmakers. The speed he's gadget wide outs. I mean, I'd rather have Zay than, who's the guy the Pats got last year, Thornton? Yeah, Marcus Thornton. You know, not Marcus Thornton, not uh, Tyquan Thornton. Tyquan Thornton, yeah. I mean, they're similar builds, so... Yeah, I would agree with you there. Yeah, I think he goes over. That's going to be the only knock on him, right? Like, he's a good speed. Yeah, he dropped a couple balls over the middle. That's one a little bit of a knock. A couple drops here and there. But he's got good hands. Not great, but yeah, good. Well, I mean, think about the volume he's getting. And BC really has no other receiving threat like him. So no, he, you're right. Yep. Everyone's keen on him. He doesn't exactly have uh, Tom Brady throwing him the ball either. So. <laughs> you're right. No, that's a good point. That's a good point. So, so you think he goes earlier than, than like, 24, which I would I probably agree with. Yeah, I think teams reach on all these wide receivers nowadays. It seems like, you know, if the guy you want's off the board or if you yeah. Itchy, antsy, you know. Well, the NFL's trending like that way. Dynamic wide receivers. They make Definitely. a huge difference. All these playoff teams have studs. Definitely. I would agree with you there. So The game's catered to the passing game now, especially offensive. Like, you can't mug guys as a cornerback or safety. So like, Not anymore, no. You used to be able to back in the day, though. Free. Cooper Cup. Yep. I mean, Devontae Adams. Throw it to him deep. Adams. You get a little physical down there. But, yeah, it's different than it was back in the day, obviously. Um, it's it's trending more towards away from the Devontae Adams big receiver go up and get it. It's trending more towards like the Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle way of like a small yeah, receiver gadget guy. Debo Samuel. It, it's trending more in that direction. The NFL with the, you know with the speed yeah. guys. Jalen Waddle is a great example. So I, I'd say Zay is so much similar passing. to that. I'd rather have somebody catch you know eight or ten passes a game than like Randy Moss might catch four or three. Yeah, might have two touchdowns. Definitely. So you, you want to move the sticks and score with these guys. 100%. So I'd agree with you that he goes a little early than that. Uh, and one last thing. Is there any position or player you want the Patriots to target with a 14th overall pick? I don't know. We need everything. I think uh, they could go cornerback and the Joey Porter Jr. from Penn State. You go with the best available guy, but you need a tackle. They couldn't block. Yeah. If Broderick Jones is if their tackle from Georgia, I'd like him. available, then I'm up for whatever. Linebacker. Edge even. Uh, anything. Yeah, sure. Edge, right? Lucas Van Ness, Iowa. Uche, right? But Uche, yep. Uh, yeah, and one last, one last thing before I let you go. This will be the last question here. Tim Loftus comes in with a great question here. What do you think of the trade of Rodgers to the Jets? Um, I don't think it makes the Jets anything. I, I would say this, and I said this <laughs> yesterday on my podcast. Guy. Might be a little bit of a hot take. I think the Jets and Dolphins are better teams. I mean, the Bills might have higher expectations. They might have a better overall roster. I think the Jets and Dolphins finish ahead of the Bills this year in the AFC East. Might be a hot take. So I guess that's my take. I think the, I think the Jets win 10 to 11 games this year. I'll give you the hot take. Patriots go at least 3-3 three and three in the division. All right, hey, that would be good, though. That would be so good. That, that probably means we have to beat either the Jets or Dolphins twice. Yeah, or to split one-on-one one with all of them. I mean, that would, that would still be a good year. That would be a yeah, good year. Good. But I think it's a big trade for the Jets. I think if you look at that offense, they were really held back by Zach Wilson, even though I like Zach Wilson. Now they get a stock quarterback. They can get the ball to Garrett Wilson, get the ball to Brees Hall in the backfield, get the ball to Miko Hodman. Maybe they add another receiver or two in you know, the draft or something and try to you know, help out Rodgers a little more. But we'll see. I like Rodgers' move there to the Jets. I know you're not a big Rodgers guy, though. I mean, the Patriots should be Rodgers last year if they just let Zappy throw the ball a little bit. 
Get Zappy back in there. Tim said he thinks the Pages will be seven and ten. I think they could go nine and eight, eight and nine. You never know. I think you still have Bill Belichick yeah. as a coach. The ball rolls your way. Who knows? You might win ten games, nine games. I, I wouldn't say I'm betting on them to win nine games, but I think they'll be around so, the eight, so eight to nine range. Time before we actually start playing games, you'll see what happens in the draft. Something could change in the draft. Who knows? What happens when we get Lamar Jackson? Then how many games? I was going to say Mac Jones could be moved. Who knows? You never know. Um, but we'll see what happens. But anyways, Mike, thank you so much for coming on. Always a pleasure. I thank you. Uh, you know, as always, you come on. Always give such great takes with the NHL, NFL, MLB, all of that. So thank you. And hopefully, have you on. Maybe next week when the Bruins, the series will be over by then. So have you on and maybe preview the next series, whether it's the Rangers or Devils. Or not the Rangers or Devils. It will be the Lightning series versus the uh, Maple Leafs. That's what the Bruins will play, right? Yeah. Okay, so we'll see what happens there. Yeah, we'll see. That's your Eastern Conference final matchup, pretty much. (laughs) Hey, we'll have to preview it then. But thank you so much, Mike, for coming on. I appreciate it. Hope you have a good one. And uh, we'll see you again next week, maybe. Go Clips, baby. I appreciate it, Mike. Have a good night. Take it easy. Go Bees. Bye-bye. I'll see you. So there he is, a sports guru, Mike Hurley. Always a pleasure having him come on. No one better than him in the business. Brings a lot of great takes, whether it's the NHL, NFL, MLB, NBA. No one's better than him. He knows it all. So thank you so much for coming on, Mike. And thank you guys all for listening in. Thank everyone uh, for listening in every single week, whether it's this week or, or any week. Uh, I'll start off with all my shout-outs really quick. Shout-out to the Loftus family. Tim, my biggest fan. I appreciate your support always. My siblings, my, my parents, thank you guys always for listening in. Shout-out to the O'Malley family. Shout-out to Auntie Lisa. Shout-out to the Keith family. Much appreciated with all you guys always listening in. Shout-out to the sports guru yet again. Great having him come on. Always a pleasure. And shout-out to my buddy Kevin, who I sent the link to today to listen in. Hopefully he's listening now. Uh, but thank you guys so much for listening in, as always. And we'll be back next Tuesday night from 7 to 8 p.m. Uh, and give you guys a whole breakdown of the NFL draft. I'll probably do another mock draft on my podcast within the next few days. Wish I got to do it. To, I wish I got more time to do it tonight, uh, but ultimately didn't get to since I'm usually here until about 8.30 and didn't get to. So, unfortunately, didn't get to do a full mock draft for tonight, but I will be putting one out on Spotify. I will keep you guys posted uh, in the next few weeks um, about guests. And hopefully, I only have a couple more shows, three more shows on Tuesday. So, ho- hopefully, I'll have more guests come on uh, before the show ends. But thank you guys for listening in, as always. I appreciate it, and hope you guys have a good one. Thank you, and I'll see you guys next Tuesday night. Stay safe and stay well. Thank you.